Hello, how you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? Yes, this is the Two Shot Podcast, and you're here. Thanks so much. Um, it's Thursday, and I'm off out for a walk, and I'm looking up just underneath this tree, and there is not a cloud in the sky. The sun is beating down, and I'm talking to you, and I'm feeling pretty good, I must admit. I really, really hope all is well with you, and... Um, you're doing what you need to do. Look, if you're being all busy and creative or you've got a job or, you know, you're one of the heroes who's a key worker and you're out doing all these things, it's amazing. Thank you so much for doing what you do. And you know what? If you're having one of those days where you can't concentrate, your stomach's a bit in knots, um, and you feel a bit sick of everything and you're a bit angsty, just, here, look, I'm no doctor. Do you know what I do? I had a couple of days last week where I wasn't feeling particularly great, I have to say. And uh, I'm just going to go and sit down over here for a second. Otherwise we'll just get bombarded by traffic. Um, I just sort of let it ride out. I didn't try and challenge it. I just just sat with it for a bit. And I had a really early night on Friday. And I got up on Saturday morning and I felt all right. I felt much better. I could see a bit of light at the end of the tunnel so whatever's going on just uh, my advice is to just sit with it now look before we get into episode one two three with the brilliant brilliant stand-up mr charlie baker i've got a little question for you that i want to put to you now did you know that this year is our third year anniversary we've been doing this for three years and here's the thing in all those three years, do you know what's been lacking? Well, not listeners. No, not, not that. What? No, not that. Yeah, well done, you at the back. Put your hand down. A sponsor. Now, if you are part of a business, you run a business, or you think there is a business that, for want of a better phrase, would like to get into bed with us and become our sponsor, and not for all time, maybe for a month or whatever, then... Please drop us an email. You know it. It's twoshoppod at gmail.com. And uh, we can get the ball rolling and discuss and keep doing what we do, which is bringing fantastic episodes to you week in, week out. Speaking of this week's episode, it is a cracker and it's a bit special because it's the first one that we've done remotely. And producer Griff obviously sprinkled his sonic dust all over it. And it's sounding pretty good, I must say. I was in my kitchen in Gloucestershire, and uh, Charlie was at home where he was. I forget where he was. No, he doesn't live out in uh, no, he doesn't live in London. He lives outside of London. Um, and we had a really good chat. I mean, I'm just getting used to it. I, I'm so comfortable talking to people and looking in their eyes and. And having them in the room next to me. And we're just having to get used to that not happening. But um, 
this was a really great one to kick off with because I've got a lot of time for Charlie. And as you'll hear in the conversation, myself and Charlie met on a job when we were very young men, um, very young and possibly annoying, definitely opinionated young men. And so it's great to come back together um, because I always... This is when Charlie was an actor, remember? And all I could see when when I met Charlie was... What, what, what are you doing this for? You, you know, you should be a stand-up comedian. It was always very, very clear to me. And uh, as you'll hear from the conversation with Charlie, it took a bit of time for him. So look, let's get down to it. This is episode 123. I think, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 123. If, if I've got that wrong, then apologise. Probably just the sunshine. I'm not used to it. This is episode 123 of the Two Shot Podcast with the fantastic Charlie Baker. Enjoy, and I shall see you at the end. Nice one. Well, I mean, I don't know if you're starting now, but it's so nice to speak to you. It's lovely to speak to you. It's been... It's, <laughs> do you know what? It seems like it's been a long time, and then because we're always in contact, even if it's via social media. Do you know? I always feel that you're there. Uh, uh, it's social media. And also, I've sort of, you know, obviously watched you uh, from afar. Um, but also, I think we've had a couple of... We've bumped into each other a couple of times. I think I waved at you through a window in uh, that nice cinema in Soho. Yes. <laughs> I think you. <laughs> I think I was on my way to a gig or something, and I waved at you, and I couldn't stop. And I was like, hello. <laughs> Goodbye. Seen you in a long time. But I, I have to go to work. There is no <laughs> there is no way around this other than to say hello. And you looked very cool in the cinema. Probably going to see one of your own films. I don't do Something that. I like very that. rarely watch anything, Charlie. You know me. My God. So oh, I'm, I, I can't bear watching. No, uh, no, 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 no. I mean, I probably won't listen to this back. I will say that. No, well, I. No, <laughs> it's I a never bit do. easier with podcasts, isn't it? I don't know. It's hard. It's, it was hard for me at first because I was always very nervous about being me. You know what I mean? Do you know when you do interviews yeah. and stuff, I'm always fine when mm. the camera's rolling and you're in character, but then when you have to sell a TV project or a film project and you have to go and be interviewed or do live television, it was just a fear of God in me. I couldn't... It took me a long time to work it out. I think this is one of the things with me and you, actually, is we we knew each other as young men. Yeah. and And as young actors and cocky young actors. And... I don't think we were cocky. I just think we were in the wrong place. I, that's what I feel like I was anyway. I feel like I was in the wrong place. And it's so odd you saying you didn't know, you don't know how to be you. I think I always wanted to be me. Well, I, I, I could always... I, I, I never thought I wanted to be an actor. And I, and I went, and I, and I had drama training and acting training and started mm. da- dancing at five and started being in shows at ten. But I look back and go... Oh, you wanted to be yourself. Well, you I, had to find, I had to find a way to be myself. I or I remember always thinking that about you, that you were always you, and uh, you were always you off stage, but you were always on when you were off stage. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, and I think until I agree with that, and until I found comedy, I didn't know why that was. But I didn't know. I, you know, I didn't know why I found myself so annoying. But you know, from the from the outside looking in on you, it was. I always thought it was just only a matter of time before you 
started to to go right. It's always about the comedy, and it's just about taking that leap of faith and putting the the acting and the singing to one side and fo- solely focusing on on the stand up. But I ne I never. I mean, I think I must have been last to come to it, Craig, because everybody says that to me now. Well, you were always going to do that. And I, I never even crossed my mind that I was ever going to end up doing really? stand-up. Really? Never even, never even, until I, it took, it took a really bad year, a really good year personally. yeah but a really bad year professionally where it was. What happened in that I'd, year? I, I'd, in, in that year, I got, I got married. Right. I got married. So, so I, I'm married to my, I'm married to, to I met my wife when I was uh, 16. Mm. Right. So you're, you're, I'll have known Sam when I knew you. Yeah. Um, and we were friends for 10 years first and, but friends with, you know, in inverted commas. The odds yes. here and there, um, but it was so deep and and so strong from from the start that it was that that was quite a scary thing to to make that jump into. I think um, to it's it's difficult if you if you don't want to lose your friend, you know, but you're obviously scared of of getting into that relationship. Yeah, especially um, at such a young that, age as well. Yeah, and I think weirdly, I think maybe that's my relationship with comedy as well is the moment you make the jump into it. What if you're really bad at it and you, yeah. and you, and you, and you're never going to get there. Whereas with acting, I felt like I think you can get away with being quite bad for quite a long time. Well, because there's a support not, not, network not or, or, or the yeah, fact that you can network. hide or, behind other people. You can hide behind other people. You can get, jobs in you, you you can not be working and call yourself an actor yeah you know for as, for as long as you like for as long as you want to you can be an out of work actor i'm not i'm not i'm 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 so respectful of actors so i'm so impressed by actors who can actually do it i like i went to drama school i went to lambda and i had a few people in my year who i look back now and i go yeah you you actually you weren't buying all that stuff. You actually believed all that stuff we learned at drama school. Like the, you know, I, I, I could never find a character and, and just sit in it and not come out of myself in it. And I could, I could never be doing a, a, a scene and, and not be thinking, that went well, that's a good bit. <laughs> Mess that bit up. <laughs> I mean, I can find it now. As I've got older, I can find it now because I found another outlet. But, but then I had friends in. I, I went to drama school with Lee Ingleby, yeah, um, and uh, Emma Handy and Debbie Chazen, really, and James Thornton, really good proper actors. You know, you look back, you look on now, and you go, yeah, they're really good. They really, and they always had something extra at drama school that oh, you oh, you really believe it. And I'd be there, as you say, on stage and off trying to look for the joke, which is a really appalling thing to be, especially when you're a young man, really disrespectful. I think I was pretty disrespectful of some productions I was in, um, but not through choice, just through, I was in the wrong job. Yeah. I was in the wrong job. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because um, I was talking to um, Chris Washington last year 
Um, oh, yeah. yeah you know, the, great, yeah. It's great. But the amount of jobs that he's been doing just to sort of get by and just to yeah. still still carry on being the clown of the classroom. Yeah. You know, even when he was knocking about being a postman for all that time and decorating yeah. and everything until he just went, right, well, I'm going to make the leap. I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. I I think as an actor, I found it very difficult to make the phone ring or to make myself make the phone ring or to relax in a casting situation or to relax in an acting situation. Right, so you're because... talking about the the lack of control that you have within the industry. Yes, yeah. I think so. And I think what I look back now and I go, I like being creative. I like making things and I've always liked making things. And what I did could never find within acting. And I think in many ways it's been taken away from the actor is what that you, creating what, what do you mean by that, that creat- I think okay so like, I love the history of 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 where our industry comes from mm. and you know my first actually my first job professional job was in a musical called Keen about Edmund Keen the actor at Watford Palace Theatre and and so Keen went round on the back of a truck, you know, for a while, not a truck, but like, you know, by, by yeah. horse and horse and cart village, to village entertaining people. He did that for a while before he came, became a great actor doing four, four, uh, four, um, four performances of, of Hamlet or whatever a day, you know, that's the sort of thing. And I, I look at that and I go, where did that go? How, how, how did that disappear? from what we do now that's how did writing our own stuff putting our getting our mates together putting our own plays on putting our own making our own our own art where did that go how did that i think that got taken from us by business people well i and think then it... business people and and then business people went oh we'll take care of all that cuz you're just all actors i have this problem with the with the director and the and the MD and being called the creatives, mm. I I have a problem with that. And when you do a show and you do a play or do a musical or whatever, and they're called the creatives, and the cast aren't called creatives, and I'm like, but we're all in this to be creative. Surely yeah, we all I know got in mean. this. I'm not. You know, it's not me. It's it's just I know it's an easy catch-all term to. To, to differentiate, but I just find like, I think the creativity has gone out of it. And I've found that in comedy, you can make something, write it and perform it and do it and create your own work. And that's what calmed my inner self down is, ah, uh, I can breathe out. I can make stuff. And also I feel like if you work hard, if you work hard, it's like doing a run, you know, rather than I, I just, and I just didn't find that with acting. And I know a lot of people find that with acting that you, that they, they do find that they do get that click. Um, does that make sense? It does make think? complete sense. Yeah. But also I think what you were doing there was you were taking 
taking control of the situation back, but you're also making the leap to go, right, well, this this is not, there's no creative juices flowing for me now with acting. So I need to put, were you want, did you want to put all your eggs in the comedy basket? Well, I did. Yeah, I did. I did. I think, you know, oh, I, I, I often wonder, yeah. I often sometimes go, I wonder, oh, look, I, I, was, I, I was working as an actor. I'd probably work yeah. every two or three months. I'd have long periods of, of unemployment where I'd be barman or I was tour guide in the London Eye. I, was, I did a scooter man. I was a bin man. I did all these things, you know. And I think, but I think getting married to a woman I loved and trusted and knew was with me, whatever, gave me that chance to stop and go, right. What do you want to do? What is it you want to do? And I'd, I realised just I'd always loved comedy. I just always loved it. And so I do sometimes wonder, I wonder if I'd been more, more of a successful actor, if I'd been doing more jobs, if, if I'd have ever found that, if I'd have just sort of carried on being what I call one of those carrier bag actors who, who turns up first day of rehearsal with just a carrier bag. I never really... I always wonder if I just have turned up being... <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds cruel. I don't want to be... One of but, but, you know, if I'd got two years at the RSC and gone and done that, would that have been... Would, that have, would I have ever had that thought, you know? But do you, do so you, do you, you, it, you I say I think that. getting into comedy came from, came from a desperation of, right, it's this, or you go and do something else, get out of the business. Which was unthinkable because I'd done it since I was ten, you know. Well, let's before we carry on down the comedy route, let's let's go back to being spurned on to do it when you were ten. Because let's talk about growing up. Um, you were going to tap and modern sort of dance classes. What yeah. four nights a week? Well, two nights a week at, to start. Yeah, and then um, and then I did. Uh, solo boys class at 4.15 on a Thursday because the boys, uh, the boys syllabus was different to the girls' syllabus. So I'd go and, and I was the only boy. At well, I was going to say, I couldn't imagine they'd be inundated with offers. <laughs> well, in the middle of Devon and uh, when, I, when, I joined, when I joined secondary school, I used to be so fearful of people finding out I was I was I went dancing. I was a dancer. I'd cr- first couple of weeks I was just I used to cry secretly and stuff, and ended up telling a teacher that is what I did, you know. And uh, what a shame, you know, that, that was there, you know, that that fear was there. But it makes yeah. you strong, and I, I must have wanted to do it because I'd have just stopped, wouldn't I, Craig? If I yeah, if, of course. If I didn't want to do it, um, and so yeah. I do, but where they, where the dancing school was, the Gaynor Walter School of Dance, um, to make it even better. Uh, Whereabouts I, in Devon are we, Charlie? Let's just Newton go Abbott, Newton Abbott in Devon, which is sort of a little town, 20,000 people, not a village, not a particularly pretty place, very close to the sea, very close to the moors, you know, between nice things, but not a nice thing in itself. Sort of like the, with the bit between... Your bum and your balls. Um, <laughs> Which I do believe they're called the gooch. <laughs> the gooch, if you want. Or the perineum, if we're getting scientific. <laughs> Very this much not, the this gooch. This is not a scientific podcast. We'll go with the gooch. <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, pretty rough. And my dad had lived there all his life. My dad had his own business in town. He sold cars. My dad uh, grew up in, this, in the town. He worked there his whole life, worked from the age of about 
eight mm. um, till he was a, till he was about sixty. Had his own business selling cars with his brother and his dad. And my mum was a teaching assistant. No show business at all in the in in the family whatsoever. But I came out and apparently wanted to do all this stuff, and I really enjoyed it. So yeah, danced. Danced, but where I where the dance school was was also where Newton Abbott Spurs, the local football team, trained, and they trained right. on a Thursday night. Now I love football as well; I'm a huge football fan. Um, but I used to get my dance uh, teacher to close the curtains so no one could could see that I was in there dancing. So there was obviously there was a, there was fighting against something, you know. But I used to love it. I used to love dancing. We'd do shows, and then when I was ten, I did Oliver at Plymouth Theatre Royal which I didn't know what that was. My mum said, do you want to go for an audition? I didn't know what an audition was. Oh, right, and so this was a professional show. Yeah, I'd never seen a musical, Craig. I'd never seen a musical before. The first musical I ever saw was one I was in. Yeah, so this was Plymouth wow. Theatre Royal, um, and Derek Griffiths was Fagin, and it was amazing. Um, uh, and how old amazing. were you, 10 at this point, 10. Charlie? Yeah, 10, yeah. This is something you can't hide from your classmates at school, though, isn't it? Yeah, but a, a few knew, but knew I was in did shows, but not many knew I did dan- actual dancing. I think the actual dancing was the, you know, and you get called puff by dads and all sorts of all sorts of things. You know, people are yeah. pretty badly behaved. You know, especially in the eighties. Um, yeah, of course. You know, pretty badly behaved. But so I did shows and uh, stuff, and so I was in. So the first musical I was in, the first show I, the first musical I'd ever seen. I was in, you know, Plymouth uh, Theatre Royal, big proper show, proper full pit band, which is the most exciting thing, isn't it? When you have a full orchestra yeah. in a pit, and but how do- how daunting for for such a young child that it's the first time on yeah. stage. I mean, that must be overwhelming. But I can still feel that mo those moments, and it, I love the on stage, but I can still feel that excitement in my body of being backstage while it was all going on front stage and sitting, having quiet conversations and, you know, having little giggles with people and speaking to, you know, you're working with adults as well. You're working with adult actors. So you, you have yeah, chats yeah, with course. them and you, you're seeing how it all works. And it's, you know, it's, it's irresistible, really. It's irresistible when, you, when, when you've had that from a young age, but it does ruin any other show below that level you ever do in your whole life. <laughs> because that, that you can't then be 11 and be in the Amdram and, and it feel the same, you know, unfortunately, you know. But, but then I, th- I think that's why, I think then I was chasing that feeling for right. the, next, the next, I'd say, 16 years. I was chasing that, that feeling of... of of uh, just pure excitement. Wow, that 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 initial buzz, that initial source of adrenaline that you f- first mm. felt. Sixteen years, man. That's a long time to be. Yeah, yeah and that's going to it. drama school as well. That's good. You know, I did. I, I mean, I loved it. I did a National Youth Music Theatre. That was brilliant. Mm. I did the National Youth Theatre. Really had some brilliant times. That's where I met my wife and loads of my friends, life friends. And then I went to drama school, and I didn't. I didn't particularly. I didn't like drama school. That's the first time I. I went. Oh, I don't know if this is right, actually. And I said, at the end of my first term. No, end end of yeah, end of my first year. 
I stayed behind to earn a bit of money, help tidy up the drama school. And I said to to one of the sort of teachers there, I said, I'm not sure this is for me, to be honest. We just got talking, you know, I I think I like show business. I said, I think I think I want to be Bruce For I don't want to play I said, I don't want to play Hamlet. I think I want to be Bruce Forsyth. Um <laughs> which is not what they want to hear, you know. No. Um especially as I had a grant. I got the last grant in Devon to wow, go. Um, right. They stopped doing yeah. the grants. The I don't know if it was my fault. Um but uh they stopped Charlie, doing the grants. I know for a fact it, I know for a fact it wasn't your fault. Somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it was I know it was we I think um because we graduated the same year, didn't we? Yeah. Well, we're the same yeah. age, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. We graduated yeah. the same year and I didn't... Did you enjoy drama school, Craig? Um, I, I enjoyed bits of it, if I'm honest. I've never really mm. discussed it that much. But um, I, I just wanted to get out of Blackpool, Charlie. I was, yeah. I was, eight, I was just turned 18 and I just mm. wanted to get to London. It could yeah. have been anywhere. I just wanted to get there and I just wanted to start to learn as much as I can and I wanted to get out. Um, it, 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 I enjoyed certain aspects of it, but um, I never once didn't think, oh, this isn't for me. Right, right, yeah. But I just thought, well, I'm going to take what I need from this training now but then, you know, there's some parts of it that I've only accessed over the past sort of five or ten years. So yeah. you can see, yeah, I you think, feel the, you know, when I walk into a cast now or I, I, I realise I have a process or a, or a technique or whatever that, that comes from that comes from those three years. You know, I can I, I can I can see what I was taught, but I think. A, I think I was too young, mentally, and and uh, and I, th- I think, you know, if I realise now I was I was training for the wrong job, I was training for the wrong job, and I was training for the wrong in the wrong way because I, I I'd got I'd gone to a, I'd, I was at Lambda, you know, which is a brilliant brilliant drama school, yeah, doing a three year classical acting course, which is about as far from me as I can, I can I can get. I've no idea how I got in. I think I got in. I mean, I, I, you know, this this is actually this is a good point as well. Now with self tapes, I mean, I'm I'm absolutely rubbish at them, Craig, and I've got to get good at them because it's the only way, isn't it? It's the, you know, they're not going anywhere. But half the thing for me for getting a job was I was great in the room. You know, I was you know I'd, I'd be funny and have a laugh. Charming, with them. yeah. They'd yeah. see me, you know, rather than yeah. So I think that's how I got into drama school. I was good in the room. Um, and I had a grant, <laughs> which is what they did. The which, which is what they didn't want to lose out on the money. You know, I'm not not saying that was the reason I got in, or that's why they got me. So I didn't. Like, I made good some good friends and uh, I met some good people, but I I didn't enjoy it particularly. And I knew I didn't enjoy it. I knew I was. I knew I wasn't in the right place. But I was too so this young, was- and too immature to to say. And it also it's a massive step to go. This isn't right, but I'm going to stay in London. I'm going to do something else. If you're from Devon, middle of Devon, you know, and this is what you've aimed for and you're doing the thing you've aimed for and it's not right, that's pretty terrifying. So was this at the time, Charlie, that you thought this? Or was is this on reflection? I I, 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 I didn't think I did, but I look back now on that 
moment I said that to my teacher at the end of the first year, mm. where that was, oh, that was a little mini, that was a little mini, not cry for help, I wouldn't give it that much depth, but that was a mini, I'm not sure, I'm not sure about this, I, I think I'm in the wrong place. Um, that was sort of a mini one of those, you know. Um, and then, actually, yeah, uh, this is, this is I, I've only talk, spoken about this recently, and this, and this, um, to my friends, uh, I'm still friends with from drama school, and they they couldn't believe it. And it sounds cruel, and I don't think I don't think the principal meant it in this way. But yeah. at the time, it was a real kick in the teeth. So you'd have your sort of before your graduation, you'd have your sort of final meeting with the principal, and and I sat down, and he went, "Well, you won't you won't work as an actor." <laughs> thanks, thanks after, for those after, words of encouragement. After three years, after three years of of you know drama school when you won't you won't work you won't you might get the odd thing here and there but i don't think you'll work um uh and and that and that was the conversation and i was like too again too immature too young too scared to sort of you know you're you're, you're then trying to go out and be an actor for somebody to sit you down and say that at the end of the three years i think that's i think that's I think that's pretty nasty myself. Charlie, Charlie, you say that's a conversation, but that must have... It takes two people to have a conversation. <laughs> that, is, that is not yeah. a conversation in anybody's book. I mean, that must have taken the wind right out of your sails. Yeah. Because what... Well, uh, well, uh, uh, you, you know, what? I was twi- cocky. 21, I was cocky, To hear Craig. that. I was cocky, Craig. And I reckon if someone had been... I, I don't think... I, I'm, I'm saying I was cocky. I'm loud and I'm an extrovert, and I want to make people laugh. And until I found a, an outlet for that on stage as a stand-up comic, that was not a good person particularly to be, you know, in an in a educational situation, you know. Um, and maybe he was testing me, you know. I try and give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he was saying, you proved me wrong. And I went out and got the first job I went up for, you know. So you sort of go, ah, right, well, there we are. Bad luck, I am yeah. working, you know. Um but yeah, that was a kick in the teeth. But I didn't, I just didn't enjoy the process. I didn't enjoy living in London. I didn't enjoy any of it particularly. And then when I came out and tried to be an actor, it was like, oh, oh, you can't live on this money. <laughs> I thought you'd be able to live on this money. You can't live on this money. I can't create work. I can't make stuff happen. And I was used to being in shows three or four times a year from the age of 10. And then all of a sudden for it to be my job and actually I'm a receptionist or I'm a barman yeah, who does a, a show, you know. So you lose all co- – and then what happens is you lose all confidence going into to castings and auditions. and Which, uh, uh, you know, as you, you, know, you said before, one of your strengths was going into the room and being mm. funny and being charming. And obviously – that's going to chip away at your confidence, so yeah. therefore you can't go in. With but your also, strengths. I fell out of a, I fell out of a casting bracket really quickly. So, because I danced all the time growing up, I was really fit and sort of young, not bad looking, juvelied type guy. And then, through eating too much because I was pretty miserable and drinking too much, put started to put on weight. So, and also genetically. We're not the slimmest family. So you start to put on weight and you start to become 
the best friend in the show rather than the lead. <laughs> yeah. Or you start to become the funny next-door neighbour rather than the lead. And I think it's good, actually, as an actor to realise when your casting bracket is changing when you're, or when you're between casting brackets or, you know, you're going to have to tread water for a bit. I was speaking to my friend the other day and she was like, oh, I'm thinking, I've had enough, I think. She's sort of 44, 45. When she's 55, well, when she's 50... I don't think she'll stop working. But at the moment, she's so between sort of sexy mum and yeah. funny auntie yeah. that I just think it's so important as an actor to realise that. And so what happened is I left drama school, became a completely different casting bracket. Agents didn't know what to do with me. I didn't know what to do with myself, didn't know what I was. But then you find comedy, suddenly all your negatives become positives. Absolutely everything terrible that's ever happened to you or anything you think is wrong with you, anything at all, becomes, becomes material. And, and how great a thing, what a thing to find, Craig, when you're a miserable actor and you find this, you, f- you find this release, you find a release of all the things you think, oh, God, that's stopping me. This is holding me back. Suddenly, doosh, there it is. Yeah, it is, re- it is released out of you like a ray of light of, oh, they don't want to hear about all the good stuff. They want to hear about all the bad stuff, you know. So. Charlie, obviously I don't want to, um, this isn't uh, grief porn mm. in, any, in any way. But, yeah. you know, you said that, you, you know, you came out of drama school and everything had changed and you were you were quite miserable but then you found comedy and you're saying that in one sentence now obviously that didn't happen overnight no 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 definitely not no so how long are we talking six years which i thought was ages at the time i thought that was ages of being of being a an actor i thought oh i've given this so long (laughs) and i look at it now and i go oh you didn't give it any time no any time at all you gave it no time. No. You, you but were just... the, fact that you, the fact that you were so, by your own admission, so unhappy, there's, o- there's only so long you can carry on being like that. Yeah. I didn't like the Did you talk to people? I didn't like the feeling of weakness. I felt weak. I felt embarrassed in, around, around actors and... I felt em- embarrassed going home at Christmas or I felt embarrassed and, and weak. That's, that's right. just trying to look back now. And you shouldn't because, you know, you're following a dream, you're following a path, you're trying to be creative. But I think, I think what I felt weak about was I was trying to be creative, but I wasn't creating anything. Uh, and, I, and, you and, weren't, was, and you weren't being allowed to. And I wasn't being allowed to. But then no one has to, and that's what I mean by no one has to tell you you can do it. You have to just find it in you to do it. Um, and that comes to people at different times. And so now, whenever I'm in anything now, like I did, I did a musical, I did Harry Hill's musical, I Can't Sing, at the Palladium, which was a joy, you know. I wouldn't yeah. have got in that unless I was a comedian. You know, I very much came at that as a comedian. But then to be surrounded by loads of young actors, loads of young dancers, swings and all those sorts of things, all those sorts of people, 
I just sit there and go, what are you making? What are you doing? What are creating? And I'm just amazed no one's making anything. No, no actors seem to be making and, and And I know people are more and more now. But I just, I just found it. I found it such a release that I am evangelical. And if I meet someone who I think is funny, I will go. Do you do stand up? If not, why not? Write five, write the five worst things about yourself down and go and say them in front of people. Anyway, sorry, go on. I've probably no, no, no. I'm, I'm, no. I'm really interested about that. So, do you think that if you see somebody and you go, oh, I think they're funny? And they've mm. never done stand up. Do you yeah. think that anybody can just get up in front of an audience of you know twenty odd people and be funny? Well, I think I think you can learn it. I think you can learn right. skills and tricks, like you can learn, like you can learn to sound like a West End singer. Does that make sense? Like I think you can, I, yeah. Like you can, like you can learn to sing. And people learn to sing. But then you see a singer. Then you see Sharon D. Clark. And you go, right. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, that's just a singer, isn't it? And that's what sometimes you meet someone who will, they won't know who they are. They won't know what they are. But they will say yeah. five things that you go, that is a that is a higher plane of thought. That is a, a you are you're so clever. You don't know how to put this into a box. And you are and you and 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 you, I'll meet someone. I'll go. You are funny. You are really really funny. Have you tried? Have you ever written down any of your innermost thoughts or your innermost demons or your the worst things you think and gone and said them in front of people? Because that's what, what that's what the first five is. That's what your first five minutes should be is not an impression of anyone else. But it takes ages to all, and then it takes ages to find what your voice is. But some people are born with their voice, and that's if I meet someone and I think, oh, you you're really individual. Your voice is really individual. What you're what you're saying is really individual. You're not like anybody else. I want to hear your thoughts on the world. That's what a comedian is. That's what you know. I want to go back to that about finding your yeah. voice, Charlie, in mm. a minute. But what I was thinking then when you were talking about people being funny, there's a far cry from um, the person in the pub who's holding court and he's mm. being very funny and he's got everybody in the palm of his hand to somebody getting up on stage and just they've just got a mic there. Yeah. Well, it's a, it, the making, making the leap. There's a guy in my year at drama school who's the funniest person I've ever met in my life and and never been near a stand-up stage you know really good actor but but has never been and, and I've always gone you are the great lost in my eyes you are the great lost stand-up yeah there is a difference and what that is is just going out and doing a thousand gigs and then right, at the end okay. of a thousand gigs you'll find out if you're any good at it or not um right. and then you you're You'll find out if you've if and then after the thousand gigs when you find out maybe you're not quite good enough at it, you might then go, Oh, well I'm now I'm gonna say what I really wanna say. Now I'm gonna say what I really think. And then you might go some way to finding your voice. You know. Um finding I spoke to um you speak to some great comics and I think the comics who find their voice quickest are those who've been artists or pretty really heavily into to art or have been to art school. Same with music actually. 
people right. who've been to art school seem to have a different, you know, art school pop bands and stuff. Um, yeah. And I, I just think because art is all about, you can tell when that's a Picasso and there's so much you can tell as when that's a Van Gogh, you can tell the difference. There's a, it's still just painting, but it's, but you're, you're taught as an artist to find, to put what you think down on, on the canvas or in the pot or whatever. So I think artists, people who've studied art, can, can access that in themselves quicker than, than people who come at it from any other angle. You know, to speak about Chris Washington, you know, Chris has come at it from being just... Chris has come at it from being that funny bloke, mm. you know. But he's, but he's found his voice very quickly. And you see some people who find it instantly, you know. And I've I'm, with me, with me with comedy... I started off knowing what I was on about, drifted off, started doing shows about music and stuff like that. And I've now completely done a U-turn and gone, oh, no, you need to talk about countryside stuff and where you're from and, and where you're born. And, and, and then that just fall, falls out of you. If you're forcing it, if you're forcing it, it's not normally right. Did you, speaking, think, of found, speaking of finding your voice, Charlie, did, yeah. did you... Th- at the start, were you given this advice, or is this something that you've learned over the years? Because no one gives you stuff. no one gives you advice, Craig. <laughs> no right. one gives you advice because you're, you, you know, you you get the odd. Yeah, the comedy world is really nice, actually, really supportive, really supportive. Um, but when you're starting out, you know, everyone's going around doing five minutes for free for a year. You know, you're you're chasing yeah. you're chasing these five minutes for, for a year. But then, of course, it's loads of competitions and you're taking someone else's place on the bill. You're physically doing that. You're not taking someone's job. At car, you know, there's not, there's not 20, 20 admin staff or whatever, then they can just refill the job. You're taking someone's place physically on the bill. So everyone, it's, it's, it's more like sport. It's more like sport than I, than I found acting. Or actually, I've approached it more like sport than I did acting, and I perhaps should have approached acting a bit more like it was sport as well, you know. But um, no, uh, who gave me the the the, the voice? I think the, the voice finding your voice uh, sort of revelation. Just I think it just comes from doing thousands and thousands of gigs and driving to Portsmouth on a Tuesday and then driving to Stafford on a Wednesday and having a lot of time to think and trying to get yourself better and make yourself better at comedy and Charlie how did how did um this impact family life because I can't imagine anything uh more tough and lonely than starting out as a stand-up because as you say for the first year you're doing however many five ten minutes for nothing so you you're working for free for a year and you're out most nights Mm. Yeah. Um, well, we didn't have any kids. Right. You know, we, we, we did. We did pretty soon. About two years after we started, we had we had our son. Um, and so he just, but so he just came, used to come to Edinburgh with us, and he's just come with us completely for the whole. He's only ever known me being a stand-up. You know, that's been my job. Right. Okay. Um, but I didn't mind having those other jobs because I knew I was going out that night to do a gig so I'd have any job I'd take any job because I had the release 
of in doing the what you loved. Yeah, I, I knew I was. I knew I was on a path. So yeah, I'll do whatever reception or whatever job, bin man, whatever you want me to do now because I know tonight I'm going to go and talk about my penis for five minutes. <laughs> so, so, so doing what? It's cleverer than that. I'm so, cleverer than that, Craig. This is true. I know you are. <laughs> People who have seen you know you are. But doing whatever to facilitate what you really wanted to do yeah. was just the way it was going to be for how... Did you give yourself a set time? Yeah, I did. It was like an apprenticeship. I gave myself two years to sort of try and... But I got there quicker because I'd been on stage before and I, and I knew which way to turn. And you, you have to remember people to get into stand-up. This is the thing about... We, we talk about escape... You would talk about escaping Blackpool and I talk about getting out of Devon is that's the way out, isn't it? You don't know any other way out. You think, oh, you get to drama school and then you can leave. And yeah. and actually, there are more ways out than that. And and comedy is one of those ways out of, oh, this is a route as well. And and all it takes is me signing up to do it and turning up. And so some people are coming at yeah. So, but but with that, a, a byproduct of that is some people have never stood on stage before. The first time they've ever stood on stage is their first ever five minutes. And so they've never hit, they've never held a mic before. They've never, they've never known where to stand in a light. Or I mean, that's even, an, that's even more looked at an audience. And so those yeah. are the people I go, well, you are mental. <laughs> that is brave, you know, doing what I do, doing what me, me stepping onto stage wasn't a new feeling. So that no. bit of it wasn't the problem. But some people, it's the first time they've ever, ever even picked up a microphone out of a stand. If you're, I mean, this is the thing. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to get into stand-up, practice things like taking a microphone out of a stand because that's the sort of thing you might forget to go and do. You know, I coach people but also, now and again, you know. When nerves get hold of you, you don't know what your body's no. going to do. No. And the so my simple first, task no. of taking a mic out of a stand, which we can all do, we've all done it, it's very it. easy, becomes the hardest thing in the world. Even now, even now Craig, even now, if something's got a bit, little bit on it, if there's a little bit of potential on the end of it, you know, your mouth dry, your pacing, you, mm. you, you can feel your every single step up to the mic. You know, you, you, you just want to get that mic out the stand, move it to the side, and and start and get that first laugh. But you know, it's it's a, but I I love it, and I and I and it completes me. It absolutely completes me. The just, I like feeling like I've got a trade. I like being able to work hard. I like being able to drive somewhere to the middle of nowhere, walk into an horrible pub and entertain 80 raucous drunk people. I like being able to do that. And that, I think, is is just that sort of traveller, fairground person feeling you know that just thing of the circus is in town you know um i quite like the loneliness of it as well i i like the i like the solitude right okay i like i like i like being i like being the only one on stage craig i like that (laughs) i like being just me on my own down the front i I like that you know I, i i won't i'm not embarrassed to say that you know i like being that person um but i like the drive i like the romantic nature of 
of driving up the M6 to, you know, wherever and to Wrexham or something. And, yeah. And and finding the place and Charlie, when and- when you started out with the stand-up and you were going for your first, was it you were doing first five minutes in lots yeah. of different places? Mm. Did they all go to plan? Because we were speaking about nerves before, and even though, of course, you'd been on stage for years, so mm. but this was a completely different kettle of fish. This was, you know, a version of you at this time. Yeah, every, everybody's died. Everybody dies. Um, but I suppose um, you have to, don't you? It's You have to. You're not learning, you know. If you're not failing, you're not learning. Exactly. Um, and so you have to not be scared of the failure but what i tell you this so there's an interesting there's an interesting thing first two years not scared of dying at all then it becomes your job then it becomes your paying your mortgage you know i've got a mortgage paying your mortgage with it so you're basically betting the mortgage company that you can be funny for 25 years okay um and so then it becomes your job and then i've got uh, then i've got my son you know and i've 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 got a four-year-old daughter now so then you you know as you as you go along start getting booked for more and more clubs and you know I worked all I work all the big clubs all the big weekend clubs that used to be from Thursday Thursday to Saturday normally two shows on a Saturday night so you'd be doing four four gigs a week uh, and plus you'd do a Monday or a Tuesday somewhere for a little bit less money but you could try some new stuff out but those weekend gigs those big weekend stag and hen do birthday party night out gigs that people have got a babysitter for in ta- in city centres. You're yeah. getting two to 250 a, a gig. You have to deliver. If you don't deliver, you are not getting booked for them. You are not. So you're not, in my mind, you're not making a living as a comic. Now, that's one way you can go, or you can go a more artistic way where you're creating new stuff and you don't mind and, you know, have another job, running another job alongside it. But I wanted, I wanted to just be a comic. I like going to do those big, boozy nights. I, I, I enjoy that. But what happens then is you get your 20 minutes set and you have a safety net and you go, I know that works. Yeah. And when you're feeding your family from that, that locked up box of, good stuff that you know works more or less anywhere, nine and a half times out of ten, that is going to work. It's very difficult to veer off off that path. And so what happens is, what happened to me, I know I definitely, I held on, I've held on to that too long. I held on to that too long, that 20-minute set. And, 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 then, and so a couple of years ago I went, oh, no, I'm getting those feelings again. I'm getting that feeling of, of when I was an actor again. Why am I? And it's because I wasn't creating. I wasn't making. I was going out, doing that stuff, making people laugh, but not making anything new. But, and that's because I had to pay the mortgage. But then... Yeah. But then you go, but you wrote that stuff eight years ago. So you're a better comic now. You're, but you're better at it now. You're not, you're not like you were eight years ago. I'm better at it now than I was then. So you have to then just... Test yourself again by going right. Rewrite the whole and suppose, thing. Rewrite the whole thing and start again. And keep pushing yourself and keep being creative. Because it seems to me in this conversation that we've had so far, and obviously we met years and years ago. What yeah. I'm getting is you're only happy if you are pushing yourself and you are being creative. 
that 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 is that is everything to me. I've realised yeah. that 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 is that is absolutely everything to but me. You know, I want to fe- say- I want to feel like I'm working, Craig. Mm. And I think I, I've always had a good work ethic. I've always had a I've always gone and got a job, whatever. I've always gone right. I've, I want to feel tired from work, and I want to feel tired from creativity. And I want to work for myself. But it sounds to me, Charlie, that you've got deep, deep passion now from finding, finding comedy and finding that drive to be creative and work hard. And it sounds like you're very happy. I, I, I am happy. Yes, I am. <laughs> I am happy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's difficult to say, isn't it? Because you do, you don't want to attempt not being. But I am happy knowing. Do you know what? If it if it all went tomorrow, I would go. Well, I did it. I I, I did it. I didn't mm. bail out. I didn't pull the parachute. I I, did, yeah. I I went. I went for it, and I and I lived a creative life. I I, I lived that, and that, and that's all I realised I've ever wanted to do was live creatively, make stuff, try and sell the stuff I make to people, hopefully make them laugh or whatever, whatever that is now. The beauty about comedy as well is you can make, it leads into many other things, many different angles. I will always be a stand-up comic. That, 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 is, my, that, is, my, that is my passion. That is yeah. my love. But the things that, that, that come off that, the different you know, writing scripts or, or writing poems or writing songs or being in bands or being in sitcoms or being in musicals or whatever. It, it, it opens up, it opens you up to go, oh, I can try that. And it's, it's never going to be as bad as dying in Leeds four Christmases ago and getting forks thrown at me. You know, it's never going to be, <laughs> it's never going to be as bad as that. A table of welders hating me and throwing forks at me. So, you know, I, I, yeah, it, I'm, I'm, I'm happy because I'm creative and yeah. I've also had a marriage. I've been lucky enough to be married to somebody who I love and she loves me and we've, we've looked after that as well. And you have to, I, I can see some people who go, who haven't, haven't made their, they've gone for it creatively, but they've not looked after their, You've got to look after yourself as well. You've got to look yeah, after Yeah, you your, do. You have to look after your, you know, don't let it define you. Don't let the job define you, you know. Be a rounded person. Try and live a rounded life. But then it's really easy to say that because I, I, I grew up with, a, with parents who supported me and, and, and taught me about love. Charlie, I don't want to get into it about what's going on with the state of the world now because mm. more and more people are saying, you know, they come to this podcast because they love to escape and they love to listen to somebody else's journey for a bit. But it'd be remiss of me not to uh, ask you about how this has, has affected you because as a stand-up yeah. comedian, you pay the mortgage and you put food on the table by mm. going out and making people laugh. Now we're all in. Yeah. <laughs> we're in. We're yeah. not going anywhere. I yeah, mean, this, is, this has a, had such a huge impact on, on your mm. career. It's a shock. It's a real shock. It's a shock to my 
to my community um and you, you know you feel you feel like a a ship of uh, uh, the the comedy community stand up community you feel like a ship of pirates you feel like you're completely out of out of the out of society and you're on the edges of society and you've made choices so it feels like we're a ship of pirates but someone's taken the boat away you know and yeah. you go oh right okay it isn't a, <laughs> you think it's a bulletproof job because my thought of thought has always been people since ancient greek times there will have been a there'll have been a caveman who was funnier than the rest of them um you know there'll have been a caveman falling over and drawing funny pictures on the walls people have always going to and people will have given him a bit more food because he was funny so I've always thought this is a pretty bulletproof job as well. This people in recession, they want to laugh. And when times are good, people want to laugh, you know? So yeah, like, exactly. But this to take the audience away makes you stop and think, it makes you stop and go, okay, how do you keep it going? And I think the mistake to make, I think the mistake to make is to try and do what we were doing. You know, it will come back, you know, we'll all be allowed out into theaters again and, but I, th- I think I think the mistake to make is to go. I'm going to continue to do it just down a lens. I think yeah. the, the medium the medium is fluid, and so I, I think the mistake to make is to try and make the media just do exactly as you were doing before, but just down a lens. But I, th- I think you have to try and make comedy work for for you at the moment on screen or. Uh, down a lens somewhere and how, how, how try are you and make a living, work, so, Charlie? Well, I, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty lucky as in the fact that I do, I do radio, Craig. I'm, yeah, I've got, I've got two shows on Talk Sport, and so um, I've always looked, I've always, I've always tried to have five, four or five different income strands, so that if one drops out, another one picks it up, or one picks up, another one picks it up. Um, uh, so I've got the radio, so that's sort of fine at the moment. But if that goes, you know, then yeah, it is difficult. I, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm just trying to make things, and but then I, I look stuff, I look at stuff, and I go like, I've got a football podcast. I mean, this is why I'm. This is one of the reasons I'm. I I love you for this podcast is the fact you. I can see that you've gone. I want. I want something else. I want another strand. I want to know. I want. I don't want to just just be an actor you know and i think podcasting is how acting should be as they say on the guilty feminist podcast it's um it's like radio but no one tells you no and i think yeah. acting acting needs to find a way to be to not have anyone tell you no and i think this is a really good opportunity for a lot of performers a lot of creatives to stop and go what do i want a what do i want B, is this my time to exit with my head held high? But also, see, how do I move on? What do I want to make? What do I want to make without someone telling me no? And I think it's time, I think people have to look at themselves and go, what is that? Why did I get into this? What was the spark that initially made me want to go and be in plays? Or, and maybe it's time for people to write more and create their own. St- create their own plays more and i'm hoping it, it's a positive i'm trying to get a positive out of it that it will just create more work because 
there's no one ringing you to go, you have got the job, you haven't got the job, you're down to yeah. the last two. I mean, I'm, I'm, I pray for that as well, and I'm positive that good things will come of it. I just don't want to see any COVID-19 plays or TV dramas oh, no, uh, no, no, in, no, in the next 18 months. That can think just of, get um, see. Think of drama GCSE next year, Craig. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So any 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 young people listening, take take note. In fact, anybody I was listening, locked take down note. in at old poem. You know, there's going to be a lot. I've written a poem, and it's and, that's and, it. And it's difficult with poems, isn't it? Because you always feel. I always feel like one of those beat poets. I was locked down in isolation. <laughs> you know, I was locked down with the nation. You know, <laughs> it's really no. Oh, well, but you I have was... to get it out there. You have, if it's in you, get it down, write it down, and then look at it and put it in a drawer and, and, look, and get it back and then out throw it, then throw it away. You know, I, the, the, the Royal Court isolation play. Are we all going to be there for that? Not on my COVID. watch. COVID exclamation. Charlie, I'm just going to open, I'm just going to open my kitchen window because I sit a lot in my kitchen at the moment. Um, yes. It gives me great solace to sort of hear the birds and the mm. trees and... Mm-hmm. Little snatches of people's conversations as the the they're going back, but um, I just wanted to end this by a new thing. I've only done this once, okay. And good it's luck. Uh, it's it's an either or thing, so I'm just going to give you okay. some. Um, so we'll start off, and then you just give me the first thing that comes into your mind. Okay. So we'll start off. Charlie Baker, starter or dessert? Starter. Vinyl or download? Vinyl. Yes or no? Yes. Saturday night or Sunday morning? But uh, but understanding the power of no. (laughs) (laughs) Saturday night or Sunday morning. Ooh, that's really difficult. That's really difficult. Um, That's two very different things, Craig. Yeah, I know. know, Saturday night is work for me. Sunday morning is family. So you're you're asking me to choose between the work that I love and Sunday morning with my family. I'm just asking Saturday night, Sunday morning, this can be interpreted how you please. Okay. I'll I'll say, I'm going to say Sunday morning. I love Sunday morning. Kind of had to really, didn't you? Um, I think everyone's listening, so yeah. Town or country? Oh, country all day long. Lennon or McCartney? I'm not a big Beatles fan. This is a problem, isn't it? I like Paul McCartney. I love Paul McCartney. Mm. Then the next one is Beatles or Stones. I don't like... I'm not a big fan of either. Can I say Louis Armstrong? You can say Louis Armstrong, of course. (laughs) North or South? Oh, oh, this is... That's a terrible... Now, by South, do you mean... South East. If you say in Southwest, I'll say Southwest. This but is if you say in interpreted North, any way you please. Oh. Southwest. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, home or away? Home. Always home. And answer the phone or leave to voicemail. <laughs> I thought you were going to say ant or deck then. <laughs> Um, answer the phone oh voicemail please yeah voicemail long bath or quick shower long bath I am the bath I am a bath addict 
my coping strategy in Edinburgh at the, at the festival is about three baths a day. Do you have good bath prep, Charlie? I'm, I'm just ho- as hot as possible. Just as, do, you like as, a bit, uh, do you like a bit of music? Are you going for a bit of Epsom salts? What's going on there? Joni Mitchell, Hegira album. I'm a huge Joni Mitchell fan. My favourite bath album is Hegira. There we um, go. And my wife has some really nice Clarins stuff, orange stuff that is like really nice. So I need oils. I can't do be doing so I get eczema, so I can't be doing too strong soapy stuff. So, but a little bit of yeah. oil I like, yeah. Charlie, tea or coffee? It depends when in the day. First cup of the day, cup of tea. From then on, coffee till about four o'clock and then nothing. Passenger or driver, Charlie? Driver, driver. I love driving. I, in, many ways with, in many ways with comedy, I consider myself a courier driver. I, 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 I get paid for the driving and I do the jokes for free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Winter or summer? Winter. Weekday or weekend? Well, it's flipped because I work at weekends. It, so it flips. Mm. Um, a weekend because I love I love sport I love football and I love gigging and so Saturdays is everything for me really. Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? <sighs> Boxing Day. Uh, I love Boxing Day, but um, Christmas yeah. Eve. Christmas Eve. Good, good shout. To give or to receive? Oh, give always give. I hate prayer. I don't like. I get my wife gets cross with me because when she gives me a present or, or when not when she gives me a present if a, if someone gives me a present. I'll I'll be like, oh, what is that? Oh God, get really stressed about the present. <laughs> oh, what they got? What they got? What they got me now? <laughs> Sorry, Gary. Charlie, on. your final your final one is yeah. a full English breakfast or a Cornish cream tea. I'm not having a Cornish cream tea. I'm from Devon. I don't want a Cornish cream tea. They do it the wrong way around. Full English exactly. breakfast, please. <laughs> I don't want a bloody Cornish cream tea. Bastards, get out of the county. <laughs> Charlie Baker, thank you so much for coming oh, on during this. Thanks, time. thanks so much for it. having me on, Craig. I've, I've been a oh, long-term fan of well, this podcast, as you know, and um, it's got yeah. me through many a long drive. And everyone who's ever been on it, I have huge respect for. And it's so nice to be on and talk to you. Well, I'm thrilled that you came on. Thanks so much, man. I loved it. Take care, Charlie. Cheers, mate. And another episode is done. And watch, it's just brilliant, Charlie. I adore him. And do you know what? In a lot of ways, Charlie hasn't changed at all. Um, I'm sure he he feels he's changed. And I, I mean that in the greatest of compliments. He's, he's still got such warmth and a proper zest for life and probably... Uh, you know, probably is just a bit more focused now, as we all are, because we kind of know ourselves a bit more and we know what we want to get out of life. So I can't thank Charlie enough for coming on. And Charlie, even though we don't see each other, uh, we don't see each other from one year to the next, I can't remember the last time I saw Charlie, he has always been supportive of, of what we do on this podcast. And support and word of mouth goes a long way. You know that. Now, during this time what I'd love you to do 
is reach out to people who don't listen to the podcast and get them on board. Let them know what they're missing. Now, recently, you've all been probably... Um, have you been able to concentrate and watch some telly because Killing Eve season three started? Maybe you want to start there with Jodie Comer. Brilliant episode. Lovely Jodie. Another Jodie. Jodie Whittaker. I think this is the only podcast that, that either of them have been on. Maybe you're missing gigs. Maybe you want to go and listen to John and Laura McClure from Reverend and the Makers. Or you want to listen to Gaz Coombs. You miss Supergrass. Oh, I miss Supergrass. That was a great gig in February in Manchester. Or you're missing festivals and you maybe want to head back to Kendall Calling from last year and listen to me pose some questions to the legend that is Mr. Niall Rogers. What an absolute treat that was. So look, dig deep, go back through the catalogue, throw some episodes out to people, or maybe you just need to catch up yourself. Has anybody listened to it? I know there's a few people that have listened to every episode. Are you one of them? Maybe now's a good time to start. Maybe start with someone you never heard of, eh? Okay, look, thank you so much for subscribing and downloading. And, uh, well, we're going to be recording some more episodes. So I guess what? I'll meet you back here next Thursday, bright and early, or whenever you want. There's no time restrictions now. It's a bit like airport rules, okay? Look, until then, you take care. I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. And this has been... The Two Shot Podcast. Look after yourself, stay safe, stay sound. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Them Thickens. Cheers. <laughs>